Happy Mother's Day to all of you. You know, Mother's Day around here, I've always told the staff and, and all of you every year is that Mother's Day can mean a lot of different things to different people, right? Uh, it's not always happy. Um, I know some of you, I've had conversations with you and hugged you, and um, some of you, your children should never die before you, right? But some of you have lost children. And so Mother's Day kind of is a celebration, but it's also remembering um, all of that. So great video for you just to let you know that we're thinking of all mothers, um, mothers-to-be and those who will never have children, who can't have children, uh, God's grace to you. Well, today, uh, if you don't know, my name's Tony, and I'm the lead pastor here. I say that because there's people joining us online. We're glad that you're joining us today. Say hi to everybody online. No, I'm kidding. We can't, you can't see them. Come on, you can't see them. Um, so today is the last of the uh, series that we're doing. I'm not sure why we're there. You're getting ahead of yourself there, hon. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want that up there. See, uh, let me tell you what they do. Uh-oh. Let me tell you what they do. They won't listen to me, but they'll sit there and stare at that, right? No, today's the last of our series, The Outsiders Belong, Believe, Become. And uh, I want to start today by just stating the obvious. You've ever seen that commercial, Captain Obvious? Right? I'm going to be Captain Obvious today. We are probably, in my lifetime, the most divided people that I've ever seen in my life. I'm just, I'm just being honest. Whether it's world or social or cultural issues, right? I remember, uh, I got a real taste about two years ago. I got to go to India, in northern India, with Dr. Chakao. And, and I go there, and we're going to spend five days up in Kashmir, training pastors, 150 pastors on the Pakistani border. Uh, I go up there, and it was the first time in my life where I was in, like, this totally different culture that was just, I mean... It took getting used to, and some of the things I kind of shook my head, you know, and there was these, they're really not, sometimes it's not even intentional, but you have these divides because you just don't speak the same language, you know. Um, one thing you think, like, how could you do that, and we never do that, and so there's kind of this social, cultural, you know, there it was weird, Everybody, everywhere I went, it's like I'd sit down in a restaurant, and I mean, like, ten people would come to help me. And I asked James about that, and he's like, oh, he goes, you're Brahmin. I said, really? He goes, yeah, oh, yeah, you've been reincarnated to the highest that you can get. Because, you know, their, their culture and their religion is Hindu. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you're white, you're wealthy. I said, I'm not wealthy. He goes, here you are. He said, and you're tall and all that. You know, most Indian, Indian people are shorter. And uh, he goes, so everywhere I went, people wanted to help me kind of nice. I think I'll go back to India. I remember I gave a waiter a $5 tip, and I told James, I said, he asked me if I was tipping the waiter, and I said, yeah, at breakfast I gave a five. He goes, oh, he was shocked that I gave him a $5 tip. How many of you are like shocked because you give a $5 tip? Matter of fact, if you do that, your wife's going to kick you and say, you need to give a little more, right? He's like, you just made his week. I was like, really? He goes, that's his week's wages. 
Yeah, talk about a different world, right? So we're divided over culture. We're divided over politics. <laughs> you got the Republicans and the Democrats, the conservatives. I don't know. It's getting to the point where I don't know what you, anybody believes anymore. I mean, everybody's got their own little group that they go to, right? Uh, socioeconomics, you know, part of this series was based off of how many of you have ever seen the movie or read the book, The Outsiders? Some of you my age, you had to do it in grade school. One of the first books I ever read was The Outsiders, and this was kind of the inspiration for this series. It's a story about these different socioeconomical people where on one side of the track you got the preppies, right? And on the other side you got the greasers. And it was all about the clash of the two cultures, socioeconomic cultures, until they were always fighting and at each other's neck until one of them gets killed, right? Pony Boy? Was that the one that got killed? Going back a ways, I have to remember. But we split and we divide on everything. Religion divides us. Did you know that more people have died in the world, in the history of the world, in religious wars than any other war? You ever hear something called the Crusades? People fight over religion. Even people within the same religion, like in Iraq, they're fighting over Sunni, Shiite, different flavor of Muslim. Hindu, uh, uh, trying to spit it out. You know what I'm trying to say. The Muslim religion. Religion separates us. We're divided. Can we all just agree that we're divided people? But here's the thing. Our differences, no matter what they are, religion, socioeconomical, political, cultural, whatever our differences are, whatever flavor of life you live in, right, and how different you are from someone else, they become barriers, walls, to what God really wants to do. They're barriers. And if we're not careful, church, we become known more for what we are against than what we're for. We become more known about the differences. We can say how much we're different, and we just can't come up with a way that we're common. And so these differences become barriers to what God wants to do. I believe differences drive, are driven by fear. We're afraid. Let's be honest. We don't like that group or that ideology or that religion because we're afraid. We're afraid that they might rub off on us. We're afraid because we think we're right about everything. And we're not. We're divided because we are afraid. And what fear does is it drives us to different corners. We all group up, right? You all heard the story, birds of a feather's flocks to, flock together. You've heard that little saying? We learn this at an early age. Johnny, I don't want you going over to that house. But mom, he's my friend. I don't care. 
And I don't want you hanging out with him either. Anybody ever had that happen? Now, I'm not saying that Johnny should go hang out. Maybe he, Johnny shouldn't go hang out with so-and-so. But the message is clear. They're not like us, and I don't want you to be over there because you might become like them and not us. See the fear? It drives us. It pushes us to our corners. Today we have the obvious things that people are just yelling about. Conservative versus liberal, Republican versus Democrat, nationalism versus globalism, open border versus closed border. Come on, folks. Mask versus no mask. Vaccine versus no vaccine. You name it, we'll find something to argue about. This series has been about belonging, believing, and becoming. And the question is, what are we becoming? What is it that we should become? More like Jesus. That's what we're becoming. We are becoming more like Jesus. Today, I want to look at a man who knew Jesus, walked with Jesus, disappointed Jesus, was forgiven by Jesus, was given a commission by Jesus, and who later in his life after Jesus had gone back after the resurrection still was a bigot, a racist. Like, wow, that's awful bold. But he was. The apostle Peter had trouble hanging out with Gentiles. He did. If you don't believe me, open up to Acts chapter 10. We're going to go right through it. Acts chapter 10. The apostle Peter, and we know from other places in Acts, Paul called him out on it. He said, why are you treating these brothers different than these brothers? Why won't you go in and eat with them, but you'll hang out with them? Because they're Jews and they're Gentiles. There was a wall, a barrier, between what God wanted to do through Peter. What's between your life today that's keeping you from accomplishing what God wants you to become? Peter, Acts chapter 10. If you don't know the story in Acts chapter 10, verse 1 through 8, we learn of this man named Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. That is huge. There could not be anybody more different than Peter than Cornelius. He was a Jew from Galilee, grew up his whole life in, in Israel. Cornelius was a Roman soldier, a centurion. There could not be two most opposite polarized people. And God gives Cornelius a vision and he says, I want you to send for a man named Simon who is called Peter. In verses 1 through 8. And then, so Cornelius has this vision. At the same time, in verse 9 through 16, Peter has a vision. Now, here's the thing about the Jewish religion. They were very, very strict about their food. There were certain things they couldn't eat. And if they did, it was bad. Like pork, certain reptiles, certain birds and things like that. And so what God does 
God gives Peter a vision. He puts him in a trance one day while he's up on, on the rooftop. And Peter sees this thing like a large sheet held by four corners. And the sheet comes down out of heaven. And what's on the sheet? All kinds of unclean common animals that Peter's not allowed to eat. And the Lord says, Peter, yes, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. Okay, I want you to get up and eat off the sheet. What? No, Lord. You know I would never, ever eat anything unclean or touch anything unclean or be with anybody unclean. You know, Lord, I'm not going to do that. Three times it took the Lord to convince Peter that he needed to get up and go eat from this sheet that had all unclean, uncommon animals. So that's Peter's vision. Then Peter listens while he's there at, well, let's go back. Peter is at the house of Simon, who is a tanner. A tanner. A tanner is a, anybody know what a tanner is? They animal hides and things like that. So that's kind of an unclean business. We know from history that these type of people, Peter was hanging out with him though, and so Peter's staying at his home, and two men, Cornelius listens to God, sends two men and a Roman soldier to Peter, looking for Peter, and he finds him. Now Peter is staying at the home of Simon the Tanner. These two men come, they have these visions, Cornelius has a vision. Peter has a vision. These two men and a soldier come and knock on the door. And they say, hey, listen. My, our master, Cornelius, who's a Roman centurion, would like you to come and see him. <laughs> so Peter goes to Cornelius' house. Acts chapter 10, verse 25. And Peter got up and he went to Cornelius's. He entered his home. That's big. Jews didn't go into the home of Gentiles. See, you kind of get the feeling that maybe, because we're on this end of it, that Peter is like Jesus. But he won't go into the house of a Gentile, but he does here. Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, man. I'm just a human being like you. Ooh, that's big. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. So there's more Gentiles assembled. Next verse. Peter told them, you know, listen, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this. Or to associate with you. But God has shown me that you should no longer think of anyone impure and clean. Peter got the message. Peter understood what God was trying to do. And Peter overcame his barriers. Peter overcame the walls. Knocked them completely down. So that he could go in and be with this man. So I came without objection. When God tells you something and it's clear, don't object. Go. As soon as I was sent for. Now, tell me why you sent for me. 
So Peter then begins to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, which never would have happened if Peter would have kept the barriers and the walls between him and Cornelius. If Peter would have obeyed the laws of the Jewish people, obeyed the laws that he grew up with his whole life, if Peter just would have obeyed the laws and not gone in and stayed out, Cornelius may never, and his family may never have heard the gospel again. But he began to tell the gospel. Verse 34. Then Peter, after sharing the gospel, replied, I see very clearly now that God shows no favoritism. I know we live in a culture of inclusivity, right? I mean, people are always talking about embracing. You know, you go to work and you hear about diversity. You go to work and you hear about multiculturalism. We live in a culture that's working really, really hard to overcome racism and things like that of our past. But you have to understand how big this was for Peter. This is huge for him to realize that God doesn't love me more than he loves Cornelius. God doesn't love me anymore because I think I'm right on an issue and I know someone who I think is wrong. God doesn't side with my ideology or my ideas or my politics or my culture. God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. So Peter comes and shares the gospel. They believe in the gospel. They belong. Now they believe. And now they get to become. Because the Holy Spirit fell upon that place. And every Jewish man that was there and woman was amazed. They were amazed that the Spirit of God would fall and come into a Gentile. Think about that. It says it in the Scriptures. They were amazed that the Spirit fell upon them. And they realized God doesn't show favoritism. God's not going to love me more than He loves them. As a matter of fact, the very people that I have issues with, when I look into their eyes, listen, you need to realize you're looking into the eyes of someone that God loves. So the Spirit comes down and bears witness. I just have a few observations and I want to share a couple things and then we'll conclude about our text today. The first observation I have is that what we allow to divide us says a lot about what's important to me. I have a lot of things that I have ideas about. I have political ideas. I have cultural ideas. I have religious ideas. I have a lot of ideas. And some things that I believe are true and clearly true. But if I allow a barrier to remain, it says more about that this is more important to me than you. Even though we disagree. 
This is more important. Me being right on this issue is more important than you. It was God who brought them together. No one is too far. And he uses us as the bridge. Listen. It is our differences that display the power of the gospel. Not our commonality. The miracle of the word of God, the miracle of Jesus, the miracle of the gospel has nothing to do with what we come together and find in common, but it shows the power of the gospel when two completely different people from different sides of the track, different socioeconomics, different political views, when those people can come together and love one another, that's the power of the gospel. But we're too busy running to our corners. (laughs) Oh. I'm going to be your prophet now. Careful on Facebook. Careful what you say. Because sometimes what you say puts that wall up. Somebody told me one time, don't ever, ever alienate the very people you want to reach. We alienate people with our ideology. The power of the gospel is that two completely different people, groups of people, the miracle of this, my father, who's a pastor, used to always tell me, it's amazing and a miracle that we even have a church today. But that speaks about the power of the gospel. The love of Jesus in the hearts of people overcome everything including politics and religion and ideas and borders and whatever it is that we think we want to argue about, the power of the gospel to love one another is amazing. We are a community of people founded not on ideas, but on the gospel. And that's amazing to me. Peter learned this. If he would have allowed his laws to remain in the way, he never would have went into the home of Cornelius. He never would have went in. God wants to remove the obstacles that we put up between me and others so that he might use me to reach others. Does that make sense? We all have people that we just find hard to love, right? Boy, I do. Let me get to the names here. Um, I love every one of you. Really, I do. We all have people that are hard to love. But we make it impossible to love them when we allow things to come between us like politics and religion, guns, Whatever you, wherever you fall on these ideas, have your ideas. But remember, like Peter did, God might someday call you to somebody completely different than you. Is there going to be a wall so that you can't go? Peter, for him, 
it was race and religion. For us, politics, race, border laws. Ooh, boy, that's a big one right now. COVID guidelines, gun rights. I'm going to get myself in trouble. I want to speak about something. I agree that everyone should obey the laws of the land. But we got to figure something out, right? Because when I elevate the law above the suffering and oppression of someone else, that's wrong. That's not just. It's not righteous. And I know there's a lot of different opinions about what's happening in our culture, in our world. And, and I don't even want to comment on that issue. I just want to comment on the love that we have and the compassion we have for those that legitimately are oppressed and beat down and poor and homeless. Careful what you say. Because a wall will go up and God might just call you to go and help. How can you ever go and help if you've already built the wall? And that's a bad way to say that. I am not talking about the wall. That is not what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. This barrier that I just believe what I believe. I know. Pastor Brett and I talked about this message. I said it was going to be hard, didn't I? I think we get into the habit, and I say this all the time, and I think you probably do too. Have you ever said this? I think there's a slide for it. Don't get me wrong. I love them, but. Have you ever said that? I have. I've said that about some of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love them, but. It's the butt that builds the wall. I love them, but how could anyone vote for Joe Biden? I love anyone. Don't get me wrong, I love them, but how could anyone vote for Donald Trump, right? Some of y'all said that. Don't get me wrong, I love them, but the law is the law. They cannot come in. I know it's a hard one this morning because the gospel, listen, if the gospel doesn't offend you once in a while, you're not doing it right. If the gospel doesn't offend my ideas and my heart and my mind, if it doesn't offend me once in a while, then I may not be connected to who Jesus really is. I was in junior year of college and a theology professor was trying to explain to us young theologians just exactly in words, which is impossible, what Jesus did for us on the cross. And he did it this way. He said, imagine someone breaks into your home 
and begins to abuse and accost your family, what do you do? And every one of us said, we'll kill them. We'll hurt them. We'll defend them to the teeth, right? We'll, we'll just... And it shocked the whole room. And man, this created a big discussion, as it did this morning when I shared this with the worship team. Jesus would have laid everything down, including his family, for the one who was breaking into your home. We would, if someone breaks into our home to steal our TV, we'd shoot them, right? I mean, isn't that who we are? That's the argument right now? If someone breaks into your home to steal your TV, Jesus would give them the TV, the radio, and bless them on the way out. I know, that's hard to imagine. You know what? This is what I told the team this morning. That in my mind reminds me of this. Just how much I'm not like Jesus. Because I have walls. I have barriers. I've said things that I wish I could take back. Thought things I wish I could unthink. It just reminds me of how much becoming I still have to do. Because we will never, ever get to that place where we have that kind of love, not for our friends, but for those who are crucifying us on a cross. That is amazing love. And that is what God did for us. So let's be like Jesus. Now, Jesus gave us a couple of incredible sacraments for the church to remind us of this truth. The baptism and the table. And you're thinking, okay, what does this have to do with Peter? It's not direct, but it's indirect. The table played a role in Peter's relationship with Cornelius. It started when Peter when Simon the Tanner opened his house to Peter, we know that the center of that home would have been the table. He was invited in to take food and eat and rest and be with that man named Simon. And then these men come who are Gentiles, and Peter, maybe he asked Simon, maybe he didn't, invited them into the home, and he had hospitality And when Cornelius would have invited Peter and the fellows in, we know that at the center of that culture's home was the table. (laughs) And then at the end of our text today, in verse 44 through 48, after the Holy Spirit falls, out of the blue, Peter says, why shouldn't they be baptized too? And you think, why baptism? Why the table and why baptism? Here's why. Because baptism, for those who go through it, is a remembrance for us that we all enter the water the same. Sinful. And we come up out of the water changed. Not because of what we did, 
Not because of our bank account. Not because of our skills. Not because of what I've accomplished in life. Not because I'm better than you or I'm right and you're wrong. The baptism pool reminds us that we all go in sinful. We all die to ourselves the same way. And we all come up. And it's all the grace of God. It's His grace. Baptism is an initiation into the community of faith. It's a welcoming that says you have now made a public confession. You belong here. You are part here. You are in the kingdom of God. That's baptism. And the table. Beth's going to come with her team. The table. The table reminds us that this is a place that everyone is invited who will call out on the name of Jesus for the salvation of them and the forgiveness of their sins. For everyone who will trust in Jesus has a place at the table, no matter how rich you are or how poor you are, no matter what part of the world you come from, no matter how bad you were when you were younger or how good you were when you were younger. You're no better than anyone else at this table. We are all the same. Sinners saved by the grace of God. And at this table, everyone gets to eat. Isn't that awesome? The table. So we're going to take from the table today. And we're going to eat as our response to this message. Listen. Don't push away those that you want to sway.